You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. about you, but I'd like to hear some good news. Anybody else like want to hear some good news? Yeah, I mean, so many times we live in a world that is filled with bad news, and so I thought we would just take a little bit of time and, and just shout out some good news, some good things that are happening in our life, something that you're thankful for, and so just shout it out. Let's hear some good news this morning. You're here. You woke up. Your heart's beating. I'm glad that you're here. You retired. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's several of you that can relate to that. Close to 90? Wow, that is a big number. Yes, praise the Lord for that. I know some of you, I think I heard you, uh, you're thankful that God is healing you. What else? For the cold weather. Some people are saying thankful. Some people are not so much in that camp, but... So for our few days of winter, we experienced it, and so we're glad that it's passed on. Anyone else? I didn't understand that. Thanksgiving. You're thankful for Thanksgiving, family, food? What? Thanksgiving break, some extended time. Sarah, you were saying something? No. Megan, you were saying something? Thanksgiving break, okay. Mm, yes. Amen. Amen. Well, I have some good news, and we're going to find this good news found in Hebrews. But my good news is that Jesus is our great high priest. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about experiencing Jesus, and we are been, we've been camping out in the book of Hebrews. And in chapter 1 uh, and 2, uh, you'll see that, that we saw that Jesus was the Son that he was the creator, that he is above all, including the angels, that he is the radiance of God's glory, that he purifies sin. And we'll see that in chapter 2 that this, the audience that the author was writing to had this temptation to, to drift away toward Judaism because of persecution, most likely. And we talked about how focus determines direction. That if we're focused on Jesus, that we'll come closer to him. And if we're focused on other things, that we may drift away. And, and we, if you remember, we had the little boats up here, and we actually had you put down one of your temptations that, that you might be tempted to drift from Jesus by putting your eyes on other things. And, and then last week, we looked at Hebrews chapter 3. And we talked about how Jesus is our leader, and we spent a lot of time talking about Moses. Moses was a, a great leader for Israel, did amazing things. But Jesus is even a more amazing leader. And, and we asked this question, we said, is Jesus leading every area of our life? Are, are we submitting all the areas of our life to him? And, and I just ask you to, to think about that, to ponder that, to say, God, am I really giving you every area of my life? And then we talked about how trust leads to faithfulness. 
trusting Him with our life, trusting over and over again. And then I told you to get out your phones, and I asked you to set an alarm for 301 to fix your thoughts on Jesus. Now, I have heard through the grapevine that some of you cheated, that you set your alarm for 3 o'clock and you actually prayed for two minutes instead of one minute, and, and that's okay because I did the same thing because I couldn't get my alarm exactly to do that, or at least my reminder calendar. But I don't know about you, but that was really refreshing. Sometimes I'd be in the midst of working on a project and I was a little bit stressed out, and, and then I would get this little alarm or this little reminder on my calendar that said, fix your thoughts on Jesus. And it just kind of recalibrated my day. It kind of gave me a different attitude. And, and even though I just asked you to do it for one week, if you want to keep on doing that, just sending a reminder, 3.01 or 3 o'clock, I don't care, whatever time of day, and just fix your thoughts on Jesus. It, it, it just realigns our day. Now today we're going to be in chapters 4 and 5, and we're especially going to be in, in those verses that Megan actually read. Uh, we're going to spend a lot of our time on those three verses. We'll look a little bit into chapter 5. But it says, So then, since what? We have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. Let's hold that for just one second. I, I believe the audience was encountering some persecution. Maybe people saying, Well, you know what? Christianity doesn't have a high priest. It doesn't have a high priest. And so, is it really true? But this verse right here says, we what? We have a high priest. Not that we need to go find a high priest. Not that you'll get a high priest if you come to church. But we have, there's full confidence that we have not just a high priest, but a what? A great high priest. Actually, if you look in chapter 9, or uh, chapter 5, verse 9, it says a perfect high priest. We have a great and perfect high priest who has entered heaven. He, he just didn't come into the temple and, and offer a sacrifice for the people, but he is now in the presence of God. Jesus, the Son of God, remember chapter 1, Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Because we have a high priest, we can hold on. We don't need to give up because we have this amazing high priest. Now let's keep on reading. It says this, this high priest of ours understands our weakness or sympathizes uh, with our weakness. That's the way I had it memorized. For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God or to the throne of grace. There we will receive his mercy and will find grace to help us when we need it the most. What does a high priest do? What does a high priest do? We actually find it in chapter 5, uh, verse 1. It says, every high priest is a man chosen to represent other people in their dealings with God. He presents their gifts to God and offers sacrifices for their sins. He's that go-between. He's that go-between. He brings the sacrifices. He sacrifices uh, the, the offerings, or he, he makes a sacrifice on behalf of us for our sins. And, and we see in, in chapter 4 here that we have a high priest that is perfect, that is great, and that he stands in 
for us. He's that go-between. Now, I love it that we have this high priest who has entered into heaven, that he's right there in the presence of God, and, and, and he's just encouraging, and we're going to see throughout the book of Hebrews, there's this temptation to drift, there's this temptation to, to fall away, but he says, hold fast, hold firmly, don't give up. And that may be the words that some of you need to hear today as you're going through certain circumstances. You need to hear that. Hold firmly. Don't give up. Hold fast. Because we have this amazing high priest that stands on our behalf. Now, what does our high priest do? How does he understand our weakness? If we continue to read, we'll see our high priest what? He understands our weakness. He understands our weakness. Have you ever had a time when you just wish someone understood you? You just, maybe it's your spouse. You're like, I just wish they understood where I was coming from. Or your boss, and, and your boss is dumping all of this stuff on you. And, and you're just thinking, man, do they understand everything I'm trying to do? And do they understand everything that I'm going through at home? And, and you just wish someone would understand. And this text says we have a high priest that understands us, that sympathizes, that understands our weaknesses, that understands our struggles, that understands the trials and the tribulations that we're going through. For he has faced all of the same testings that we do, yet he didn't sin. He sympathizes not only emotionally, but he's been through all kinds of things. Because Jesus Christ came down here in the flesh and experienced all of these things. We're going to see on screen just a few different things that Jesus experienced. We're going to, going to see that Jesus experienced homelessness. His family thought he was crazy. Some of us can relate to that especially well. His best friends turned their back on him. One of his closest friends, Judas, sold him out for pocket change. He stood face to face with the devil and endured all kinds of demonic tricks. He dealt with death. He understood what grief was about. He endured gossip and slander. He endured suffering and righteousness. He was shamed publicly. He endured periods of, of hunger he received criticism of his ministry. His theology was mocked. His message was rejected. His preaching was critiqued. His disciples didn't get it over and over again. He suffered leading up to the cross. Yet in all of this, he did this without sinning. Mark 14.33 says this, that Jesus, that he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. This is when he prays at Gethsemane. And he, and he says, and he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me. Like Jesus is pushed to his limit. And, and some of you can relate to that as well. Sometimes you just feel like you're all the way at your, at, at your limit. You just can't take any more. And even when Jesus was at his limit, he didn't sin. Some of you may be asking, how can Jesus relate to us if he didn't sin? How can he really relate to us if he didn't sin? I, I love what Brent Kirschville uh, said. He put it this way. He said, we do not need a person to have the disease to understand what we're going through. 
Here's what I mean. A surgeon does not need to have a disease to be a skilled surgeon and to understand your situation. Your surgeon does not have to have cancer to be a skilled surgeon who can understand your condition and give you the help that you need. In the same way, Jesus does not have to have or does not have to sin to understand our condition to help us. He needed to be human and experience life the way that we experience it so that he can be the surgeon we need. He can be the great high priest we need because he understands our condition and has the ability to help us in the, in the way that we need. Man, we have a high priest that understands us. And, and look what our high priest, what, what this means for us because of what he did for us, of dying on the cross. Now we can come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, to the throne of grace. And there we will receive mercy and grace, not condemnation. We don't have to go to the, to the throne and, and be scared. So often in ancient times, when you went before the throne before a king, you were scared that king could kill you at any moment. We saw that happen several times. You think about the book of Esther. Esther was the queen, but she was scared about going and visiting the king because he could take her out. If you think about the tabernacle that, was, that they used to house the presence of God, and the Levites were instructed, hey, if anyone comes into the presence of God, they are to be killed. There's a certain way that, for things to be done, and no one can just go into to this presence of God. I think back to Exodus 19 and at the giving of the, the law at Mount Sinai. And it says this, when then the Lord told Moses, go back down and warn the people not to break through the boundaries to see the Lord or they will die. So often we look in the Old Testament, it doesn't seem like God's very approachable. But then we see the verses that we're reading here in Hebrews. We see we have a great high priest a great high priest who died on the cross, that he wasn't just the high priest, but he was also the sacrifice. You might remember that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, that curtain was ripped in the Holy of Holies, that, all, that now we can come before God. We can become before the throne and not, deserve what, or not get what we deserve, but instead we receive grace and mercy. We can come and worship. We can come before the presence of God. So as I was thinking about this, I, I want us to kind of land here. I want us to experience Jesus in our weakness. Can you repeat this phrase? Experience Jesus in your weakness. Experience Jesus in your weakness. Paul, in the book of Corinthians, had a few things to say about this. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 to 10. He says, three different times I begged to the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in what? In weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. We see weakness as a bad thing. And God says, hey, I work really well in weakness. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness. In the insults, the hardships, the persecutions, the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Don't you love that? 
So how do I experience Jesus in my weakness? It's a phrase that you hear us saying over and over. First of all, admit it's okay not to be okay. It's okay that I don't have it all together. There's some days, some weeks, some months that I don't have it all together. I just, I'm struggling. And there's weeks and days and months and years and we struggle. And admit that. Stop living in your own strength. Last week we talked about how we love to drive the bus. We love to control our lives. But instead, we need to turn the will over to Jesus and let him lead our lives, trusting him over and over. And then in the midst of your weakness, in the midst of your trials, in the midst of your temptation, look for Jesus. So often we get so inward focused that we're worried about whatever we're going through and we miss out on Jesus. But Jesus is there. Jesus is working. If we'll look up and look for him, I promise you, he is working. And then lastly, let Jesus work through you. Don't waste your trials and your tribulations, whatever you're going through. Let Jesus work through you. You be a witness of Jesus through that. Now, you can't do that on your own power. You've got to rely on him. But when you do that, amazing things take place. Transformation takes place. One of the ways that I thought that we would experience Jesus is there's a special time in our service each week that we we have. It's, it's our communion time. And, and communion really is reminding us that we have a, a great high priest. Not just a high priest, but also the priest became the sacrifice for us by dying on the cross and shedding his blood. And not just dying, but also coming back to life so that we could have eternal life that he showed us grace and mercy and love. He showed us what that looks like. And so today at communion time, yes, you know, when the plate is passed, it's going to be a little bit different. You're going to see some of this matzo bread instead of the little bread that we normally have. But I want you when, you, when that comes by, I want you to break off a piece of bread. I don't care if it's small or big. Uh, just break that off. And I want you to think about how Jesus also relates to us in our brokenness in our weakness, in our times of, of trouble. I, I want you to take some time just to think about, this isn't just bread and juice that we're taking. We're remembering what Jesus Christ has done for us.